Welcome to House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. If you're ready to get your physical, emotional, and spiritual life in order, join us for the next hour as we meet some interesting people who will share stories of success and wisdom that you can apply to your own life. Now, here's Dr. Connie. Welcome, everybody. It's the season. Can you believe it? It is finally, finally the end of this year. Sadly, it's not the end of the pandemic, but there is hope on the horizon with the Pfizer vaccine that's currently being rolled out and sleeves are being rolled up and Moderna has just received emergency use authorization. But before we get into vaccines, I'm going to start with my honorable mention for the month of December. This is the last show of 2020 and it is the first show of our sixth season on House Calls. The first show that we had of, of all the shows that I've done here with House Calls was really a Christmas gift to me from my late husband, John. Now, I always wonder what husband gives his wife the gift of airtime for Christmas. Obviously, someone who doesn't mind her talking to him and other people. Definitely, he wasn't the type of guy who would give me an ugly sweater for Christmas. So I thank him up there in heaven for giving me the, the gift of airtime. And that was a really wonderful thing because he knew how much I enjoyed talking to people. But the hope was that in talking on radio that somebody out there would benefit from the experience that I've had personally as well as professionally. I also want to thank the producers and the crew here at Voice America, the guys in the back uh, room here, who I just gifted with a bunch of brownies. And those are really the old-fashioned type of brownies. They're unadulterated, guys, so you should be enjoying those. I want to thank the producers for the great work, the crew, as I talked about. Once a month, I look forward to coming here to the studio close to the Sky Harbor Airport in Phoenix. I love coming here. I look forward to it. I love the message, the ability to reach out to people around the world. I love my guests who come here. I have several guests who've been here two to three to four times. In fact, one of our guests today, Dr. Patty, this is her fourth time, so she is definitely a veteran of this show. So if I pass out in the middle of the show, she will take over the microphone and carry it to the end. And one of the words of advice I give to every guest is the hope is that we make the difference in at least one person's life, at least one person out there who hears your voice within the reach of your voice will take something out of that, out of the message. I also want to thank our producer, Sandra Rogers, who's got a great singing voice, by the way. So she's uh, out of the office right now, but thank you, Sandra. Also, happy Hanukkah to our Jewish friends out there, and Merry Christmas to our fellow Christians as they celebrate the birth of Christ this month. These are the holy days, or that's how we get the word holidays, and they bring forth hope and light, especially this time of darkness and sadness and death. And I know several people close to me who have lost loved ones and dear friends. And the pandemic has touched so many lives. So many people have died from this, as we know, but not only in death, but lives affected among those who have survived. It has changed the way we live, the way we do business, every aspect of our life. And we're going to talk about that today. But even more important, what can we do about it? How can we recover? How can we move forward? but there is always hope on the horizon, but it's going to take time. The vaccine, as you know, is out. That's the big news. It has been already started being administered in the United Kingdom, in Canada, and also recently in the U.S. China and Russia have also gotten theirs, but I I even question sometimes the validity of their studies. 
the U.S. Food and Drug Administration authorized the first vaccine for COVID-19 for emergency use only. It's made by Pfizer. This came out this past week. It is the first coronavirus vaccination in the country, so people are lining up and already receiving their shots. We're hearing from friends in the military who've gotten their shots that they do feel uh, definitely the effects of it right away as your body mounts an immunity. It's almost like flu-like symptoms that you can develop. We always warn our patients whenever they get vaccines that they may experience redness, soreness, tenderness in the affected arm where they get the shot. Don't be surprised if you feel crummy, like you've been hit by a truck, you're tired. You know, your body is mounting a, a response to the virus, the, the, the foreign agent, in this case, the messenger RNA that's going into your cells, taking over what's going on that causes the virus to replicate. So it, be prepared for some effects with that, to, especially to get good immunity. Uh, the people who are first in line for the initial COVID-19 vaccine, uh, they're rolling, the CDC has already decided it will be frontline healthcare workers, the personnel who are on the front lines in the emergency rooms, the hospital, the nurses, the doctors, the medics, all those people who have direct contact, uh, the primary care people like myself and Dr. Patty, who's here with me today. We received notification from the Maricopa County uh, folks here in Arizona uh, to go online and fill out a questionnaire and thereby classifying us as among uh, the, the upper tier who should be getting our shots when we are being notified. The question is what happens to everybody else? That's yet to be seen. Every state uh, will determine how they're going to distribute the vaccine. So stay tuned for, for those of you uh, who are curious, get hold of your doctors, uh, go online, find out what, what's uh, the distribution plan for that in your, in your state. So we talked about that. And that's going to be a big issue of, you know, people who are asking, when do I get my vaccine? When am I first? When is that going to happen to me? So we do ask you to contact your health care providers and, and get the word when you can get your vaccine. We really encourage it. So we're going to move away from the pandemic now, right, from the vaccine. But we're going to talk about this past year because it's it's an interesting time. And, and the end of the year is always a time when people reflect, look back, and ask, okay, what happened? What can I be grateful for? What is it that, that happened that affected me? What can I do different in the next year? And we've got an interesting combination of guests today. And, and I really like getting perspectives from different guests and, and how their, their take on of life in general. And we've got three different perspectives of three women in different stages in our life. And I'm hoping that one of us or all of us will somehow touch something in your life and you can identify with it. So the three stages are myself as somebody who's 65, so I'm a senior citizen. Um, and I've got Dr. Patricia Pepper, who I'll go into her bio shortly. And she's in, in her mid-50s. And we've got Alina Pepper, who is Dr. Pepper's daughter, who is, how old are you, 20 now? Yep, 20. I don't remember that a long time ago. Who's 20, and she is a, she is a college student. So the, what we're going to do is talk about how we look back at this past year, at the pandemic, how our lives have changed, our observations, but most important of all, what have we learned? You know, what have we gained? How can we help you? I'll start off with introducing my, my guest today, Dr. Patricia Pepper. She's a native of Clarkfield, Minnesota. She graduated summa cum laude from Concordia College in Moorhead, Minnesota, with a Bachelor of Arts degree in biology and nutrition, 1986. 
After she received her <clears throat> doctorate of medicine degree from the University of Minnesota, she entered a transitional internship at the Naval Medical Center San Diego in 1991. I actually met Dr. Patty, as we call her, back in those days in San Diego. I think I was, was I in attending? I was in attending, and she was one of our super stellar residents. In fact, <laughs> I love to tell this story. I signed her leave papers so that she could get married and become go from Patricia Vole to Patricia Pepper. And so I remember way back then, so you've been married, what, 28 years now? Mm -hmm. So I've known you over 28 years. Look at that. So I've known you a long time. Uh, she completed her internal medicine residency and obtained board certification in 1994. She's a fellow of the prestigious American College of Physicians and was recognized as the Navy Chapter Laureate in 2018. She's trained over, what, 300 internists in the Navy system. So if you're a Navy internist out there, most likely Dr. Patty has molded you and made you the great physician that you are. She is a master clinician and associate professor of medicine at the Uniformed Services University School of Health Sciences, my alma mater. She and her husband, David, uh, have been married for 28 years. They have two children. Her son, David, graduated from Dartmouth in this, this past year. He works in investment banking. And Alina, who's here today as our guest, is a junior at Dartmouth. She is, this is her fourth time. She, uh, Dr. Patty works with me in me, my office. She took care of both my parents and, and she's my doctor. So she's a doctor's doctor. So uh, I love having her on board. I love her perspective. You wanna say hello to everybody out there? Good afternoon, everyone. And I go to Alina. We're gonna introduce Alina Pepper. She's a junior at Dartmouth. She's majoring in biology, minoring in Spanish. And she hopes of attending medical school after college. She works as a research assistant to faculty at the Geisel School of Medicine. She's also an ambassador and receptionist at the Dartmouth Admissions Office and is a mentor to underprivileged youth in New Hampshire. She's a proud sister of Kappa Kappa Gamma Sorority. She will be interning at a healthcare investment bank this winter as her off-term from Dartmouth, where she hopes to gain valuable insight into the financial world in order to better serve her career as a physician. She's 20 years old. She's beginning her journey in medicine. And I look at that because I'm one of the old dogs in medicine. It'll be next month. It'll be, no, next year it'll be 40 years of practice. Dr. Patty's been practicing. How many years have you been now? 30? It'll be 30 years. 30 years. And then Alina is on the verge of going into medicine. And this is a time to really, you know, if you're wondering what to go into and you want a job that has job security and people are going to need you, medicine is a good field, especially now, even more than ever. So as for the three stages in life, here we are. Alina's 20 and single for all those guys out there who are interested <laughs> in finding a wonderful gal. But her studies come first. Remember that. Career comes first. Dr. Patty is happily married, and I'm a widow. Uh, Alina, as we say, is a college student. And so we're, we're going to move on. So ladies, let's go to the first question and observation. When you look back at 2020, how has this year touched your life? Dr. Patty, you want to go first? You know, it's real interesting because you think back to the first lockdowns, which were in March, and it's really hard, I think, for all of us to even remember the beginning of the pandemic. And we all stopped what we were doing. And we had to figure out how to adjust our lives. Um, and it was an adjustment for everyone. It was an adjustment in the way we worked. It was an adjustment in the way we went to the grocery store. It was an adjustment in our ability to travel, to plan, to socialize, to go out to eat. 
everything this year has been an adjustment. And I think as the time has gone along, it's become easier in some ways and more frustrating in others. Because we, we want our old lives back. And the longer it goes, the more we want our old lives back. Yeah, we miss our old life. When, Elena, when the pandemic news of it happened, were, were you at Dartmouth at the time? I was indeed. In fact, Hanover was one of the very first places in the nation to have COVID-19 after Seattle because one of the Tuck business students um, brought it back from northern Italy. So I think it was like mid and February we had COVID on campus and we were still chugging along. No one really knew what it was. The college didn't do much at first. In fact, we were one of the last schools to actually say that we weren't coming back for the spring quarter, um, which was ironic because we were one of the first places in the country that even had the virus circulating. But, you know, it's everyone remembers the before, right, how life was before. And there's a sense of surrealism. Is this really happening? Is this made up? Can we believe this is happening? It was such a stark contrast. I, when the pandemic happened, I remember March 15th, the Ides of March, I literally was coming back from Disneyland. I, I was there with my son and his children, and we were the last people at Disneyland before they shut it down that weekend. <laughs> that was the weekend they shut it down. And then what happened was I went to a beauty global beauty expo in Seattle. <laughs> so I went to Ground Zero. <laughs> And my friend Maureen Francisco, who's been on my show, picked me up at the airport in Seattle. We went to lunch downtown, and it was a ghost town. And again, that was before we had mass. And then we went into Bellevue, and they had had the whole hotel to themselves. And they were starting to social distance, but they were looking at the numbers, and they were limited as to how many people at that event. It was a large event, but it was at a casino. So it was a certain number. But again, we thought, what's this all going on, right? And then when I got back, that's when the shutdown happened. So it's affected everybody out there. And if it hasn't, you haven't been in the news or people haven't been yelling at you because you're not wearing your mask. But I look at our friends, our family, our work environment, social life. What's the hardest thing about the past nine months? Elena, what for you? Um, I would say I'm a very social person. So it's definitely been hard um, not to be able to see certain people. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go back to school this summer and fall, but several of my friends weren't able to. So I haven't seen some of my friends for over a year. And some of my friends who were actually abroad in the winter and got sent home, I haven't seen them for a year and a half since last fall. So that's been the hardest part for me is not being able to be in big gatherings and going out and having fun and having to isolate. Um, But it's been great having family and friends at home who I've been able to keep in contact with and stay sane. Now, do you Zoom? Do you FaceTime? I mean, how do you connect with all the other all your friends if you can't be physically with them? Yeah, so we FaceTime um, at the beginning. Several of my friends, we set up group Zooms. But now I've seen most of my friends at this point. So either in person, social distance gatherings at school or FaceTime on the weekends. You know, and I know, Dr. Patty, your dad's in Minnesota. I mean, you know, talk about distance and worrying about family. How has that all changed for you with this pandemic? I think for me, that's been the biggest challenge and change is I'm used to on a moment's notice picking up and going to see my friends or my family or my kids. 
And all of a sudden, the pandemic, it stopped us from doing that. And we had a patient in the practice um, at the beginning of the summer who was 85 who told me, this is the first time in my life I haven't been able to go where I wanted to go and do where I wa- what I wanted to do. Yeah. And in medicine, that's been one of our greatest challenges is, is figuring out how to keep our, especially our elderly patients, from losing hope. Exactly. It's the loss of hope and being told what you can't do, especially the elderly don't understand and being isolated and and the things that, for example, even visiting elderly people and being with them. We're going to pause for a quick break and we'll come back on house calls as Dr. Patricia Pepper and Alina Pepper and I talk about this past year and how the pandemic has influenced and affected us personally, but also most important, what we'll share is how to get through it with things that helped each of us get through this difficult time. So stay tuned on Dr. Connie's House Calls for more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the President of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 
346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. The end of the year is always a good time to review and reflect the past year. So that's exactly what we're doing today in studio with Dr. Patricia Pepper and Alina Pepper, who are sharing with me our thoughts and experiences this past nine months of the pandemic. And we talked about, Dr. Patty brought up the fact that it's about learning how to adjust, which everybody has been forced to do, like it or not. But we as physicians have struggled with our patients who have really just had a hard time. Also, our elderly patients who are alone in homes, far away from family, can't have anybody near them. Everyone's heard stories of 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 patients who have died without loved ones at the bedside and had uh, just nobody there when they're dying. And that was really hard. Uh, the long goodbye where you can't be with them at the bedside to say goodbye. And so it has been very difficult for so many people. So my question to to, to Alina and to Patty is, how, how'd you get through this? For me, the children came home on spring break and, and didn't go back to school. And all of a sudden, it's the end of March, and you know my kids aren't going back to school. They're going to be at home. And, you know, it's real interesting because as we're getting Christmas cards, all of our friends whose, whose family, whose children uh, wound up at home because they were in school, everyone said the same thing. You know, this time was a true gift. It was a gift to have this extra time with our kids. And, and I, all along, I looked at it like that. You know, I was never supposed to have this. I wasn't supposed to have the kids home for Easter. They weren't be, supposed to be there to celebrate X occasion or Y occasion. And, and I looked at that as, as, as a gift in spite of all of these other things that we had lost. And then uh, once we got to the June-July timeframe and we were seeing more and more patients who are having depression and anxiety, those sorts of things, I turned it to, okay, this really stinks, but how are we going to turn this into positive? What are we going to do to make this positive? And that for me has been the thing going forward that we just have to remember better days are coming. Uh, we've, we've gotten this far. The vaccine is out. How are we going to make this positive? And it's been real interesting because so many people have taken up old hobbies you know, they've, they've, you know, resurrected the hobbies, they've exercised more, they've spent more time knitting or sewing or puzzles or those sorts of things. And I think for each person, it was like, this is how I'm going to pass this day, because every day was the same for so long. Right. That's so true. Alina, how about you? Um, I think at the beginning of the pandemic, um, when Dartmouth told us we were not going to go back to school for the spring quarter, the thing that got me through was that it was pass-fail. So I loaded up on my hardest courses, and I really did no work any night at home after 5 p.m. We watched movies as a family and just hung out and spent time together. So that's what got me through initially. And then I think just the prospect of being able to go back to school this summer and this fall um, as I had off-campus commitments from the year prior, so I was going to be paying rent anyways. That's what really got me through, just to be able to see my friends, feel like we had some semblance of normal, um, just being in Hanover at it, as it is a college town through and through made us feel like we were back at college a bit. Um, and I think now nearing towards the end of the year with no end in sight, what's getting us through is just the hope that 
hopefully our senior year will be normal. We'll get everything back, we hope, and just be able to enjoy our last year as college students, which everyone stresses the four years of college could be the best of your life. And we are hoping to have that um, same experience for our last year. That's the wonderful thing about youth. The hopefulness of youth is, is so important to keep us going. I tell people to put things in perspective because, you know, I always think, look at back. Remember back in March? I mean, I remember I live in, a, in an area where there's a shopping district and walking outside and there are no cars, no people. It looked like a scene from the day after the apocalypse. It was like, where is everybody? There are no cars. There's nothing. All the shops are closed. All the restaurants are closed. It was terrifying. And realize we're not there. We, we've moved forward from that point, right? You're still able to, you know, you can eat, you can go out, you can go grocery shopping, you can go to certain places. After you wear your mask, you have to social distance. I think Dr. Patty brought up the right term, the gift of the pandemic. And if we can look at what are the gifts that we each have received, I think for me, in my bereavement, was it really forced me to fully grieve my husband's death, uh, which was about 17 months ago, because I wasn't distracted by going out and traveling, I was forced to be home by myself and to really say, okay, this is the reality. You're alone. And it also forced me to cook at home by myself. I couldn't eat out like I normally do. So I started discovering my kitchen. And there are days, believe it or not, I never use my credit card. <laughs> Think of the money you can save, right? <laughs> that you never had to do that. But I think the other gifts are really connecting with people. Uh, my, my, uh, my sons and I and my sister and brother would do, what is it called, party time or that app you go online. It's like a group Zoom. So we would do that. I look at my sons who both work remote and my oldest son has three little kids. And I said, you know, you should actually relish this time that you can work remote and you can work from home because the only time that you're going to be at home with a five and a three and a two-year-old and this is a special time that they can see you, and you can actually be there, not only helping your wife, but just experience the joy of your children versus at the end of the day you come home. So it's not going to be forever. It won't be forever. And, I, and that's something we tell our patients. It's, this is not going to last forever, guys. I, I talk about something that I call the circle of sanity, that every one of us has our own group of friends that we cling to that that bolster us. And I know, Dr. Patty, you're close to definitely your family and your friends. Who's in your circle? Well, certainly my husband and my children. And then I have wonderful friends. You know, that's one thing about being in the Navy. You know, we have wonderful friends and, you know, many of them are physicians, some are not. And physician friends during this time have, I think, been extremely important because we all understand uh, what what it's like to try to practice medicine during this pandemic. And you fear for your patients. You fear for your patients' families. You feel for your patients who are in long-term care facilities or who are in the hospital. Um, but my circle is, is certainly the people who I'm closest to and my friends. How about you, Alina? Um, I would definitely say in San Diego um, I had a really good 
friend, like group of friends from high school, about 10 people. And we would do like social distance parking lot hangouts um, in the early months. So we would go to a parking lot, park our cars far apart and just sit on the roofs and talk and hang out. Um, Also, one of my best friends at home, Annie, we've been friends since we were three and our families are very close. So just seeing her and going and tanning at her house (laughs) in the spring brought something good out of the pandemic, being able to darken my very pale skin tone a bit. Um, And then I would say at school, um, all my close friends, um, but especially the sorority friends, um, because every Wednesday we have our chapter meetings, which makes it feel like normal, like we're back at the house sharing stories, um, updating each other's on our lives. So that's probably been my closest circle. That really does help. It's your form of therapy in a lot of ways. So as people are out there listening to us, what advice would you give to people in the next in the months ahead how to get through all this? We've made it this far, but what what would you recommend? I I think as I previously said, you know, we better days are coming, the end is coming, and I think we just have to just, you know, grit our teeth and push forward. When I look at the reality of the vaccine and vaccinating patients, I believe that by the summer we are going to have the majority of the country vaccinated. And, you know, once we get a good 75-plus percent of people vaccinated, life will be returning to normal. People can get on airplanes. We can take the masks off. We can socially, you know, find ourselves able to go to concerts and plays and indoor venues without being afraid. How about you, Alina? What do you think? Same thing. I would say the same thing. I guess my mom always reminds me it could always be worse. So I think that's kept me through a lot of this whole situation that my life is pretty dang good in consideration and that things could always be worse. There's a lot of other people struggling out there. Um, But also just that we will appreciate so much more when everything is back to normal, what we lost and what we have. And just the ability to even give someone a hug is such a novelty that we didn't realize was such a privilege. So when we get back to normal, what would that look like? Will they be a new normal? I mean, Will you shake hands anymore? What do you think? I don't think we're going to shake hands. Yeah. Probably not yeah. for a very, very long time. Yeah. And, you know, for in medicine, that's so much of, like, what we have done. But I don't see us going back to that. I think that people will be very cautious, probably for an extended period of time. Um, I certainly hope that, that venues like the theater and indoor movies and those sorts of venues which have been completely stopped can restart again. But I don't know that it's going to be like what we had before. It's going to be different at least for a while. Yeah. How about you, Alina? What do you think? Um, I think we're going into the roaring 20s. You know, once we get out of quarantine, social distancing, I think at least my generation, everyone is kind of going to go crazy. You want to travel all the time, always go out um, and just be surrounded by people because we had been isolated for so long. Um, So I see travel booming a lot in the future. um, And just I think it's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, a lot of the economic indicators are predicting that you're going to get an economic boom. People are going to go shopping. They're going to celebrate. It's, you know. But I think we will, I think in my opinion, I think things will change the way we do business. I think there'll be 
people are very cautious. I think hand, you know, shaking hands is gone. You know, uh, I think people are be more cautious about up close and personal, and that those habits are hard to break. I, I look now, and I, I even see my own behavior when I walk around with my mask. If I go for walks and when I don't see anybody, I lower it so I can breathe. But then as soon as I see somebody, I put my mask on just to show, hey, I don't want to give you anything. Or, you know, I can't give you any virus if I have it and I'm asymptomatic. But then I actually become social phobic, not only germophobic, but social phobic. I start diverting. I avoid people. I don't make eye contact. And I was talking to one of my patients last night. We were eating outside in this area. And we, she goes, you know, I do the same thing. I social distance, but I also, I don't look at people anymore. And I actually hold my breath when I walk past people. And, it, and you catch yourself doing that. And what do, what do I advise people? I said, I, I said, you should be conscientious. You should be diligent, but don't be neurotic. Don't go neurotic with this. And there's a balance between that. I mean, I, I still see people driving in cars with their masks on and they're by themselves. And Dr. Patty, is there a reason for that? I mean, why do people do that? There is no reason for that. And I think that people are now so like ingrained that this mask is part of my life that they just don't take it off. Maybe a lot of people wear it inside the home. I don't know. But there's no reason to wear a mask in the car if you're by yourself. Right, because you're not affecting anyone. I mean, you're by yourself. You're not getting the virus from someone. Someone said the biggest risk is really from your spouse, and you have to have at least a total of 15 minutes of unmasked time, and you're within six feet six feet of them, unmasked. They're talking at you, and then you inhale it, get your eyes, your mouth, and that's how you get it. And People, I mean, I, I have patients ask all the time. I was in a golf cart, so-and-so passed me. What's the chances? I said, if you're worried, go get tested. Get an antigen test. If you're super worried, get the PCR swab. It takes a while to get it back. And almost all of them have said nothing. I mean, no, no virus. We, we have patients where families, uh, the dad got it, the kids got it, the mom didn't get it. The elderly grandma didn't get it. They all spent Thanksgiving together. So invariably a lot of people will get it. The majority, was it still 99.6% of the people recover? Touch wood, none of my patients has died from it. We do have three to four of them who were in the hospital and had pulmonary emboli, but none of them have been intubated. And I think it forces you to say, hey, how am I taking care of my health? Am I washing my hands? I think our flu numbers will be lower this year, right? Absolutely. I haven't seen any flu, flu numbers so far. We've seen very little flu, and we expect that the flu season is not going to be very severe because people are wearing masks. There are no kissing cousins, by and large. The holiday travel is significantly decreased, and people are way more uh, aware of the importance of hand washing. So here's a question for how do kids date nowadays in college? How do you go on a date? I mean, it's virtual. <laughs> how do you do Yeah, it? honestly, you just don't. Like, no one was really going out or trying to meet new people because you're always wondering where has this person been? And it's not like a first date icebreaker to be, have you been tested <laughs> recently? So at least in Hanover, which Dartmouth is a small school, so I would say the dating scene is different than elsewhere. No one was really going out on dates just because you only hang out with your immediate circle of friends because you can't trust where other people have been. Like maybe they've been down to see their family in Boston and come back up. It's only a two-hour drive. You just 
never know. So that's definitely taken a halt for sure. But I find it interesting. You know, I look back at my parents, and you look at yours, Patty, your parents. In the days when they dated, they courted, they wrote letters. They, you know, they didn't talk on the phone, but they wrote long letters. They talked. They communicated before you had any physical contact. You really get to know that person. And there's a lot to be said of really knowing somebody before the hormones kick in and just, you know, can you communicate with them? Do you like their thoughts, their ideas? Do you like the way they write? Do you like their, what they say in their conversation? You know, do you like the sound of their voice before you move further into it? So it sort of takes it to a different level beyond the physical, right? So you wonder. So we're going to pause for another break, and then we'll come back on house calls as we reflect on the year. But the next segment, we're going to talk about resolutions, what's up in the next year. So stay tuned. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you ready to live younger, longer? Andrew and Aaron Stevens with Apply Everyday Health are partnered with a 100-year-old company to help you build health through natural approaches. Our scientists believe that the key to a healthy lifestyle lies within nature. By using ingredients proven to be safe and effective, our products provide nutrition guaranteed to change your life in a positive way. To find out how you can get the same top-of-the-line vitamins taken daily by Olympic athletes, astronauts, and the White House doctor herself, visit applyeveryday.com. Who's your doctor? When I was looking for a doctor, I thought, which person gets the best care of all and whose doctor's credentials are the most carefully reviewed? Well, the answer was obvious. Who looks after the president of the United States? My doctor is the doctor who is taking care of three presidents and their families. Dr. Connie Mariano. I've heard about her. She's board certified in internal medicine and has been practicing medicine for over 30 years. She was at the White House for over nine years and traveled everywhere with the president. Dr. Connie is available to me 24 hours a day, seven days a week by email, cell phone, or Skype. And when I see her in her private office in Scottsdale, she and her staff always treat me like I'm the president. I'm going to call her office now and join her practice. Dr. Connie Mariano. This is the doctor American presidents and their families have trusted with their lives, and I trust you with mine. For information about Dr. Connie Mariano's private practice, you need to visit drcmariano.com. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. tuned in to House Calls with former White House physician, Dr. Connie Mariano. If you have a question or comment for our show today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to drconnieradio at gmail.com. That's drconnieradio at gmail.com. Now, back to House Calls with Dr. Connie. have a new year's resolution well a lot of people do right where does that come from new year's resolution is a tradition most common in the western hemisphere but it's also found in the eastern hemisphere in which a person resolves to continue good practices 
change an undesired trait or behavior, or accomplish a personal goal, or otherwise some way improve their life. Now, at the end of the Great Depression, about a quarter of the American adults formed New Year resolutions. At the start of the 21st century, about 40% of the population did. In fact, according to the American Medical Association, approximately 40 to 50% of Americans participated in the New Year's resolution tradition from the 1995 Epcot and 1985 Gallup poll studies. Study also found that 46% of participants who made common New Year's resolutions, for example, weight loss, exercise, quitting smoking, were likely to succeed over 10 times as, uh, as among those deciding to make life changes at other times of the year. So there's something about starting a new year and saying, okay, I want to get off on the right start. I've got some things I want to do. In a 2014 report, 35% of participants who failed their New Year's resolutions admitted that they had unrealistic goals. 33% of them didn't keep track of their progress, and 23% forgot about them. About 1 in 10 respondents claimed they made too many resolutions. There was a study done by uh, Richard Weissman from the University of Bristol in which they had 3,000 people that showed that 88% of those who set New Year's resolutions fail, despite the fact that 52% of the study's participants were confident of success at the beginning. Men achieved their goal 22% more often when they engaged in goal setting, wherein resolutions are made in terms of small and measurable goals. So, for example, say I want to lose a pound a week rather than say just lose weight. So, you know, they say be specific about it. So I look back and I look at my guests and you're, we're almost New Year's Eve is coming up. Do you have any resolutions? I think my resolution for this year will be to declutter my life in New Hampshire. I think since I've been home, I've redone my room, repainted, reorganized, got rid of a bunch of things. Um, but I still have quite a bit of clutter in New Hampshire um, in storage. I think the biggest proponent is clothes because I have clothes for all sorts of different occasions, which I realized with the pandemic I don't actually wear because there are no more occasions to go to. Um, but just kind of trim down, be more of a minimalist and realize what I truly need and what I truly don't. So when you when you declutter, did you ever read Marie Kondo's book about the joy of decluttering where you condo things, Marie K-O-N-D-O? You heard about not. that? It's, it was a bestseller a couple years ago. And she talks about the story in Japan where as a young girl, she would go into the rooms of her siblings and start throwing things out. And they thought that was a great thing, but I thought that person does not has boundary issues. Like, why is that woman <laughs> going into their room, throwing out their things? Leave my things alone. But she made millions of dollars, and she became a, an expert, and she's on television, where she talks about condoizing, Marie Kondo things, where if you're going to declutter, she says, put everything in a pile, start, for example, all your clothes, and pick each item up and hold it and say, does this spark joy? And if it doesn't spark joy, you get rid of it. And, you know, just have to ask yourself, does this spark joy? <laughs> I, just, I just decided to think that. How about you, Dr. Patty? So my New Year's resolution is kind of a parallel to a resolution I made when I was deployed with the Navy. When I was deployed with the Navy, we spent a significant amount of time in um, Muslim countries uh, showing the flag. And we saw basically the role of women in, in those societies, which was none. Um, and so I vowed from that point that I would never, ever uh, forget 
forget how lucky I was to be a woman in America. So my New Year's resolution for this year is that I am going to appreciate all of the things that we've lost during the pandemic and subsequently get back. And that may be as simple of a thing as, you know, being able to go to someone's birthday party, or it may be a um, more uh, bigger event, such as the ability to travel, but just the appreciation of, oh my gosh, we now can, we can go to church in person. You know, we can go to a shopping mall and not have to worry about, you know, can we get into the store? Um, We can go to a concert. Um, We can enjoy our family. We can enjoy our friends. We can go see our elderly relatives that were so worried about bringing COVID into their home. That's a great way to look at it. Your perspective shifts from one that's, that's very stark to, oh, my gosh, it's back. And you realize how much you miss it. And I think there's a lot to be said for being grateful that they've done studies that people who can list three things to which they're grateful do much better. I think one of the struggles with the pandemic is we've been so used to getting everything we want, and we're such an impatient population, right? Everything is, I want it now. I I would joke with people that I look at some people I know here in Scottsdale, their idea of a bad day is they had to wait in line at Starbucks. And that's like a first world problem. And we look at around the world and we look in our country, the people who are suffering, not only having lost loved ones, but also losing their jobs, uh, losing their money, losing their whole way of life. And if you can just count those blessings at the end of the year that you made it through this year, we still have our jobs, we're blessed, we still have health care, we're going to get the vaccine, there's hope on the horizon, but we have our friendships to do that. But you have to have, how has that made me a better person? It made me better, not bitter. And I always differentiate the difference between better and bitter is the letter I. Is it all about me or is it something beyond me? And I, I look at, you know, what are my resolutions? I've learned to definitely be more patient because uh, you definitely can't force the pandemic to end. I wish this would end right now. You know, well, this isn't all about you, right? I want it, you know, I want to be more patient and with people in general because people are so impulsive. They want it their way. And I can't be. And definitely, this has been the year of learning to be flexible. I always talk about Semper Gumby forever flexible, and you had to be. This is the year of cancellation. People's weddings got canceled, uh, parties got canceled, trips got canceled. They just said, nope, 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 nope. It's like, oh, you can't get what you want, right? But you have to want, you have to like and appreciate what you have. And I think, I think that forces people to look at it. Alina talked about wardrobe, you know, your wardrobe simplified if all you're doing, you know, you're fortunate to go Zoom all day, you just need the top, you do wear sweatpants underneath it. I remember the first time I had dinner with some friends after they opened up the restaurants and there were two males in the group and the two couples and the both men said, this is the first time we've worn socks in like three months, right? Because they were at home in slippers or, you know, they didn't wear socks all day. It was just, it was just different for them. But definitely being patient, more flexible. But I also say, find different ways to experience joy. And even the, just the joy of taking off your mask at the end of the day. It's like, oh, get a fr- breath of fresh air, right? Enjoy the fresh air, the joy of breathing. You know, you're more conscious of that, that the mask is not suffocating you. It's just the, the, the ability to do that. 
I think too, as as a as an avowed work workaholic, I think the pandemic has forced me to focus less on doing and more on being. And and we talk, I talk about, you know, if we could just be more human beings than rather than human doings, isn't that you know you could just sit there? I have nothing to do. I can't go out. Well, you know, you can just sit and read. You can sit and meditate. You can sit and listen to your breath without a mask on in your apartment. And it's okay to do that. It's okay not to constantly fill every moment with distractions. And my friends who are in the the woo-woo world, as we say, will say, you know, a lot of times when we pray, we tell God what we want. But when we meditate, we're actually listening. You know, you're 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 being receptive. And and that's a good thing to be receptive. That's when you're calm, your blood pressure gets lowered. I we have patients, actually, you and I, Dr. Patty, have had patients of ours who've called us with panic attacks, right? Full-blown panic attacks. And you can talk them down. You just say, just take a deep breath, listen to your breathing. And then pretty soon they say, oh, my blood pressure is coming down. That's good. Okay, now just get to a place of stillness and, and listen to that. But there's a lot to be said of gratitude that you're grateful for having gone through that. I mean, we're going to look back at this, Alina. You're going to be an old woman. You say, I remember the pandemic of 2020. <laughs> You're going to tell your grandkids. They said, Grandma, really? What was that like? You're going to look back. You're going to have, you know, the masks. It will be in the Smithsonian. I mean, I have a, a Santa Claus that I bought for the office that's a little statuette of Santa Claus, and he has a mask on. So that's a timepiece right there. Hopefully it will be worth something for my grandchildren when they decide to sell it on eBay one day, but you just look back at that slice in time, and you realize you got through this, right? So I say, you know, how do you avoid a meltdown? And people have these moments where they're vulnerable to a meltdown. First thing you do is you hit the pause button. And this is a huge pause button more than anything, right? Pause, you cannot control the pandemic, but you can control your attitude towards and what you individually can with social distancing, your mask, taking care of yourself, becoming resilient. <laughs> being thoughtful to people. But I also say, too, when there are times that are tough, I think the true test of human beings are, what is your behavior in the tough times? What kind of person are you, right? If you're, if you're trying to date someone online or marry somebody, what are they like when the time is tough, right, when it's difficult? What is their attitude? What's their behavior? Are they kind? Are they thoughtful? Or are they obnoxious? Like, so that's a good way to gauge people. What is their behavior? Is it all about them or is it about helping other people? So it's a good way to, to look at how people deal with that. And so those are the things I see. And Dr. Patty really brought it up with the gifts of the pandemic. Any final words you'd like to pass to our audience? We still have some time left on, on this show. I think my message to those people who are listening is that honestly, this whole thing stinks. It really does. Yes. It stinks. And we have been doing this now for nine months. We have figured out a way to stay sane, um, to spend our time differently than we used to, be it gardening or puzzles or movies or Netflix or whatever it might be. And truly better days are coming. Yeah, I would say just like to make sure you take care of yourself. I've seen several friends struggle with mental health like they haven't before um, at school or because they've been home and not at school. Um, I think it's important to know who you need to reach out to, making sure you're checking in on your friends and your family, 
seeing how they're doing because not everyone is handling this um, as well as I guess I am or uh, my mom is or you are, Dr. Connie. Um, just putting things in perspective. Some people need extra care and need people to be there for them in this time. So just to make sure we are looking out for those people and taking care of our own well-beings at the same time. Well, that's a good point, Oline. Um, you know, we've had an increase in mental health appointments. I know our dear friend, Dr. Julian A. is listening in, and she's been on our show many times. And I know she is a, is a therapist, is a psychologist, and her team have been very, very busy because uh, there's an increase in alcoholism, in drug use. <laughs> Uh, there's an increase in physical abuse, in uh, relationships. I know at least three couples who are going through a divorce right now. At least one couple has divorced because they don't want to be together. They don't want to be a, a, during the pandemic. If you, can't, if you cannot shelter in place with your spouse, then you know, you've got some issues there. Um, and yet, on the other hand, I know two, other, two couples who are pregnant. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're going to have a you know, baby from all this. So you look at that perspective, but... I think, you know, the people who suffer a lot of times suffer quietly. I'm sure the suicide rate has been up. Um, there's so many things, and when people suffer silently, they put on a good show. So for those out there, ask for help. And then if you have a friend who you think is vulnerable, who's lost a family member to COVID or any of the outcomes regarding that, reach out to them. Just say, hey, I'm just thinking about you. I mean, it's it's a tough time. And I think even the fact that Dr. Patty says in a nice way, it's it. It's uh, what's the word you use the S word? I use another word for this, but it's <laughs> you know how difficult it is. You know, um, it's the fact that you're not alone. You're you've got help there, and people really care, and they really care about you, and that we'll get through this together. And there's hope on the horizon, and for that, which we're grateful. So we're going to wrap up the last show of the year, and we're going to look forward with joy and hope to the new year. So to all my listeners out there, uh, have a wonderful, blessed holiday season. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. But most importantly, be well. Take care of yourself. Take care of the ones around you. Be forever grateful. Thank you, Dr. Patty and Alina, for being on our show. We're starting our sixth season for of House Calls, so we stay tuned for the, uh, the first of the year show. Actually, it'll be the third Thursday in January for that show. And I'm going to sign off, and I'm going to wish you a wonderful holiday season and be hopeful and grateful. God bless you all. Thank you again for joining us this week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. We'll be back next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a terrific week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio.